Eve began to fear that she'd have to leave, and realized she didn't want to. The hostess gave another enticing musical laugh that curled Eve's toes. Please don't make me leave. I really like it here. Why that was true, she couldn't say. Just that all her life, she'd felt herself as a sexual being, and for the first time in this tent, she got the sense that she might not need to be ashamed of its sinfulness. Oh, there's no need to worry about any of that. I will take care of you. The hostess stepped a little closer. The savory, sweet, floral scent of her skin filled Eve's nose again. But this time, the dizziness stayed away. This time, she felt her body lean in towards the blonde, allowing herself to be led. Come with me. Hypnotized. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Smashwords. Hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks podcast. This is Rose Caraway. I've got a ton of stuff going on over here at the Kiss Me Quicks. For example, I just read Angela Caperton's Tourist for Nobilis Erotica. It's episode number 258. Speaking of, Nobilis Reed is a cool cat. He has got a great show, always full of really sexy stories. I have a ton of fun listening to him. Today's show, Voodoo Dildo Part 1, is part one of a two-part series. Unlike my Succubus series, which was released one a month, my Voodoo Dildo is two parts, and I'm going to get that second part out to you next week, so hang tight. And after your second Voodoo Dildo helping, you are going to get, from the sexy librarian, a Selena Kitt story called Unfolding. That girl brings it. I got to read it, and you're going to love it. And if that's not enough, Hypnotized is now available. Check it out, people. It is just the right size story, short and sweet, enough to turn you and your lover on. It's so much more sexy than the original story from our podcast. I think it was the second episode. It's already received rave reviews. Plus, it supports the show, so I can keep getting my sexiness out to you. So, between the Nobilis Erotica podcast, the two voodoo dildos, the sexy librarian featuring Selena Kitt, and the new ebook available in all ebook stores, I think you're going to have a little more Rose Caraway than you can handle. And now, Voodoo Dildo Part 1. There was still four hours to go until the shanty closed, and I was stuck in the men's restroom plunging shit that looked like stew. The slosh and squelch sounds made my throat tighten, and the fruit punch bubblegum suddenly lost its sweet tart flavor. The fluorescent lights flickered and buzzed overhead as I shoved and pulled the plunger's scratched-up yellow handle. Some of my hair had fallen from my work bun, and it was driving me nuts. Every time I inhaled, whoop, up and in it went into my sinuses. 
I tried to shoulder the few strands out of my nostrils, but the long hairs were up there pretty good. I hated my job and all the Jodenheims I worked with, and I never wanted to eat stew again. Oh, pardon me, didn't know anyone was in here. The birthday boy from table two stumbled as the heavy bathroom door goosed him. I'd just dropped off a pitcher of pale ale to his table before heading into the men's room. He must be celebrating hard if he already needed a bathroom break. It's all right, I'm almost done in here, I said, and started to plunge again. But then he swaggered over towards me and looked over my shoulder like I was making cookies. Looks like stew, don't it? He gave a grossed-out body shake and then proceeded to the urinal at the other side of the bathroom. I said I was almost done. I gave the plunger a couple of irritated hard thrusts because the guy wasn't going to wait. There's tits inside this polo, see? They're small seas, but they're there, I thought to myself. Birthday boy didn't seem to have any problems with whipping it out in front of me. Who was I kidding, though? Did any man? The stew sloshed like it was in a bubbling cauldron and splattered onto the seat and floor. God damn it, now I'd have to clean that shit up too. Usually I could get away with just a quick plunge and flush. Not now, though, since happy swaggering birthday boy couldn't hold his alcohol. And it pissed me off. Ah, no worries, ain't gonna blow the bits like that guy did. He chuckled, thinking he was doing me a favor. I glared at his back and saw him tightening his cheeks while he pissed. Besides, it's my birthday. Consider this my present from you. His fire hose sprayed against the porcelain like a sandblaster. I bit down on my tasteless fruit punch bubblegum and hit the toilet handle. Asshole, I whispered to myself as I watched the stew rise. Then slowly, blessedly, it sank until the toilet bowl gobbled it down. Birthday boy zipped up. Hey, congratulations! He punched my shoulder like I was his buddy and then washed his hands. I closed my eyes. Occasionally, when the dipshits of the world enter my bubble, I have to find my calm. If I don't, then the evil hell bitch that lives deep inside my guts comes out and gives the offender a good psycho tongue lashing. I felt my nerves vibrating and my nipples harden. The impulse to grab birthday boy as he stood there washing his hands was knocking so loud in my brain that my hands shook. It would be a fabulous moment. I pictured myself clutching a really good, satisfying handful of his manicured hair with one hand, and then with my other, I would bring that plunger stew-covered side up and just smash it onto his face. With perfect clarity, I could see him smothered and suffocating. I smiled. Birthday boy would have stew for Din Din instead of pepperoni and olive pizza. The shanty could go to hell as far as I was concerned. It was a ridiculously popular pizza joint where all the waitresses had bad attitudes and took your order while looking at you like you were a schmuck. A piece of shit schmuck. The black glittered popcorn ceilings hung low and pressed down on you while occasionally seasoning your pie with falling chips of lead paint for extra spice. 
The ovens shorted out no matter how much electrical tape was strapped around the wiring. Add in the constantly backed-up toilets, and the shanty should have been condemned, but the dipshits flocked in like sheep regularly. There was one redeeming quality, however. The tap was good. It was damn good. Some nights when I closed, I helped myself to one of the big 32-ounce to-go cups and pour myself a brew to take home. 32 ounces was just enough alcohol to numb my brain and let me forget my rut. And on Friday nights, when I'm happily inebriated, I pop in a porno and rub a couple out before going Betty by. In the very back of the shanty's kitchen at the call center, which consisted of two ancient phones for incoming phone orders, I leaned against the corner wall, waiting. Dolores and Fink were answering the calls. Dolores took a deep drag of her lucky strike, then confirmed a delivery order. Smoke clouded around Fink, and he suddenly became a lost fisherman offshore, looking for the lighthouse. He clamped his skinny fingers over the receiver so the customer wouldn't hear. Damn it, Dolores! Blow that shit the other way! He waved his hand through the fog, squinting as he searched for a coupon in the database. Oh, shut your yap, Fink! Dolores took another drag. Hey, Lisa, you waiting for the breather? Every time Dolores smiled, I got another glimpse of rotten teeth. Meth had ridden her hard and put her away yucky. Why, do you want to take it? I asked Dolores with a half smile. All you have to do is give directions. You know how to get here, don't you, Dolores? It was cruel. Dolores, the ex-meth user, was good at two things smoking, and taking orders. Her brain was fried like a tater tot. She had to rely on her mother to get her to and from work every day. Rotten Tooth Dolores had no short-term memory to save her life, which was a pain in the ass when the shanty ran special promotions. Fuck you! At least I... The phone's tinny ring cut her off. She answered, Thanks for calling the shanty. How can I take your order? The truth was, Dolores knew the ordering program better than anyone there, so it was a little mean to tease her, but I had just plunged an entire bowl of shit stew, and I wasn't in the mood for her shit. I looked at the clock again. A whole minute had passed, three to go, until I became a phone sex operator. For three painstaking minutes, I continued holding up the wall watching Dolores and Fink like some low-budget tennis match while Dolores's puffs and blows fogged up the works. Not a half second after Fink hung up his phone did it ring again. This time, though, it was an announcing ring because the clock just struck 7.45. I lifted the receiver off the hook. Thank you for calling the shanty. This is Lisa. How can I take your order? Instantly, as soon as the last notes of my voice rang out, I could hear him breathing. Yeah, um, hey, you that pizza joint over on 7th and Zeppelin? He never gave his name, but his voice was always raspy, warm, and thick. No, I'm sorry, sir, that Zambini's. We're on Jefferson and 8th, you know, by the Mamba Juicer. I waited, listening to his long, quiet breaths. Oh, 
Yeah, there's a chocomoco there too, right? His long, warm, and thick voice was nice. Dolores and Fink both watched me with fascinated stares. I glared at Dolores and turned around towards the dishwasher. Yep, that's the place. In my head, I imagined him asking for a slow handjob while I talked dirty. I'm out on the 10 in Franklin. How do I get to you? It was a simple enough question. The interesting part, though, was how would I take him this time? Which route? Well, I hesitated. You know where the 10 splits? Yeah. You know where it splits into two short lanes and a long, narrow third lane? I could hear already as his raspy, warm, and thick breaths shortened up. Yeah. Okay, well, you take that long, narrow lane. I paused for a second. His quick breaths were finding a rhythm now, with a nice, skin-slapping beat in the background. Uh, uh uh-huh. His breath had a little hardness to it. I imagined his cock pretty hard now, too. Be careful. On a rainy night like tonight, it gets a little dark and slippery. You don't want to be swerving around and lose control. Keep your eyes on the road. Oh, I'll be careful. The skin-slapping backup beat just kicked up a notch to a steady, whacking pace. Keep going until you see that Jasmine's Donuts girl on the billboard. You know the one. She's got two really big and round, cream-filled donuts, one in each hand, and she's winking at you because she's open all night. Yeah. I want you to get off the 10 and turn a really hard, really tight right-hand turn. It wasn't about how sultry I could make my voice. Phone guy liked to be guided with slow, titillating directions. If I could get him there, he was a happy camper. Tell me, baby, tell me. The fast, smacking beat continued in my ear. Kay... After you've turned right and passed the nail salon with the bright pink neon sign where all the rich chicks with their big tits go for their pedicures, I want you to turn onto Meringue Street. There's only a couple stop signs, but you can blast right through those, right? I asked. Had to be sure he could blast, because if he couldn't, well, then what the fuck were we doing here? I'm gonna blast! The smacks I heard on the other end of the line actually made my Fruit of the Looms wet. Usually, this whole phone sex via driving directions thing did nothing for me, but not this time. This time, I fell into character like I was getting paid. You do that. Just blast right through those two stop signs like they were prissy bitches shaking their tits in your face. Because you know what? What? I gripped the receiver until the plastic creaked. Because, baby, I see Jefferson Plaza up ahead. The plaza of low income and greasy pizza, I thought to myself. His voice strained and grumbled. It sounded like his pecker was locked, cocked, and ready to squirt. 
I lowered my voice so he'd stay focused. Plus, I didn't want Dolores to hear. Fink was okay because his dinky cock was probably as hard as phone guys. Gun it, you bad boy, right past that piece of shit 7th Street and sail home, baby. Just pull it right on in, nice and easy like. There's 8th Street, do you see it? I held him on the edge as long as I could. See it? It's there on your right. I'm right there. The shanty, best pizza pie around. You want to come in for a hot, greasy slice of pie? Come on, tell me you want a big, juicy piece. The skin smacking became cock spanking. Phone guy was yanking it and hard. I could hear how white his knuckles were while he held the phone, how hot and burning his forearm and shoulder were. I enjoyed imagining what color his hand was, what color his dick was. I imagined hand and dick together, all shiny and juicy tight, strong and committed. He was full steam ahead until at 7.48, phone guy blew a massive, chest-aching wad. He didn't try to stifle his voice either. He always came really hard, and I liked it. Once he'd caught his breath, I took his order, then hung up. Talking to phone guy hadn't bothered me for a long time now. I liked it. I waited for it every day. And I had yet to let him down. On my way home, after I'd closed up and filled a to-go cup of beer, I stopped at the corner stop-and-pee gas station and bought a tub of ice cream. I was perched and planted into my favorite poofy leather lounge, sipping the brew, and then sunk my tablespoon into the half gallon of ice cream. The first bite was good, like eating chicken off the leg kind of good. When you're in a rut, beer and ice cream go good together. I support myself, if you can call it that. My apartment is sparsely decorated, mostly with items I buy from friendly neighborhood garage sales. Plus, I have my cats, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are, by my suspicions, gay. I suppose it's my fault, though, Being cooped up in an apartment without ever experiencing what it's like to chase pussy has left them to their own devices. But who can blame them? Not me. My poopsies aren't at odds with it, so why should I be? On the boob tube, David Caruso was fiercely examining some dead teen tramp's body and feeling bad for it while I ate my delicious ice cream. I swallowed more smooth cream and glanced over at my poopsies. Rosencrantz, the black-and-white short hair and bigger of the two, was splayed out while Guildenstern, my Siamese mix, was long licking up his leg, like he was really swabbing the decks. My goddamn cats were getting more cock than I was. After that evening's phone sex, I was rather horny myself. I hate my rut. In the morning, when the Peters family in the apartment above me began their daily battle for bathroom time, I was already dressed and saw the cats going at it again, 
Jesus, I yelled. Get a room, then locked the front door. I needed some air. It was sprinkling, so I took the bus into town. I was thinking about my cats. Well, more precisely, what it would be like to actually watch two men really going at it. Yeah, I'd seen pictures, but to actually be there, watching? I was pleasantly surprised how intrigued it made me, and how yet another pair of my Fruit of the Looms were suddenly damp. I strolled over to Ricky's music store, Dada Dupe Vinyls. He specialized in records, the real kind. Bells, woven together by a strand of hemp rope, rang when I yanked the door open. Ricky was at the register pulling some newly acquired vinyl out of a moving box. Hey, Lisa, he said. We had known each other since high school, and I visited him every Friday. Hey, Ricky, what's up? His hair was colored black and spiked up about four inches high with bright blue highlights. After a quick realignment to his thick, black-rimmed glasses, he shrugged his shoulders and responded, Oh, the same shit, you know. But at least Tower's still out of business, and I'm not. Tower Records had gone under something like 15 years ago, but Ricky was an ever-grateful entrepreneur. I hear that. Anything new since last week? I asked. Ricky was wearing a pressed gray vest and red bow tie with jeans, but I couldn't see his shoes. If I had to guess, though, my money would be on a pair of old black-and-white Converse. Ricky put his organizing aside for a moment. Yeah, but I don't know if it's your style. Course, I won't stop you from experimenting, you know that. You're my personal altruist, Ricky, I smiled back. You know it. Second shelf on the center case, he instructed. In the back of the little shop, against the farthest corner from the street, was a black curtain. I didn't go to the Dada Dupe for the music. I went for the tiny back room, stuffed with porn. That was Ricky's saving grace. Everybody liked porn. Not everybody had a record player. I pulled the dusty satin curtain aside and stepped into a small 10 by 10 room. The light was dim, but the shelves were stocked tight. I beelined it to the center case and was eye level with the second shelf. When my eyes adjusted to the darker lighting, I saw why Ricky meant, not my style. The second shelf was loaded with male, male, gay porn. Oh, Ricky, you're so good, you're so good, you read my mind. Oh, Ricky. I sang as my finger glided over the spines of male porn. Most of the titles were fun and cute, some rather scary, but hey, it was cool. After a while, my finger paused when it landed on the title, The Hanky Spanky. Well, yeah, I said out loud, because everybody likes the hanky spanky. Why not? Hell, the two guys on the cover were pretty hot, and their cocks, while limp, were still both impressively long and stout. All righty, boys, let's grab some grub and head home. Ricky was surprised, but rang me up with a slanted smile. Then I tucked the porno into my shallow purse and left the Dada Dupe record store feeling quite smug.
The veggie stand and market was just up the street, so with a shielding elbow strategically placed over my small purse, I concealed the gay porn label as best I could, then headed for provisions of a more comestible nature. The drizzling rains had stopped, and I was happily walking along, my head totally in the gutter, fantasizing about the two men in my bag, when my view of the food stand was blocked by a haggard woman stepping from the alley. She was dressed in layers of patched skirts, belted by long golden chains that glittered and clinked with every movement she made. She stood on the sidewalk with her hands resting on shelf-like hips, watching me as I came nearer. Her gray and white hair fell past her shoulders in a frizzed, untidy mess. Pleated lines crowded her entire face. Her eyes were lined with charcoal-black makeup, making her look like she must have been nearing a hundred years old. But her body wasn't frail. She was as stout as a refrigerator. Beneath the moth-eaten shawl that was loosely drawn over her shoulders, her hands clutched a small paper bag. I moved a little left, closer to the edge of the sidewalk, planning to go around the strange woman. But with lightning speed, she grabbed my right elbow so fast and hard, I yelped out loud, Hey! The hanky-spanky suddenly became very visible, and I tried to take my arm back to cover it. That's not going to do what you really want. She indicated with a knobby, arthritic finger towards my porno. Her voice was scratchy but strong. That's none of your business, I hissed, still trying to yank my arm free. For as old as she looked, this old hag's death grip on me was painful. I was starting to fear that I would have to make a scene to escape the woman's devious intentions. And my experience was, getting trapped in a gypsy's shrewd games meant you would be lucky to get out with a shirt still on your back. Where you saw one gypsy, you usually saw an entire caravan. But this old woman was alone, so I hoped to make a clean getaway, unscathed. The old woman's cackles made my skin crawl. Vertical puckered lines around her lips spread as she laughed, and when I saw the dark calcified plaque that covered her teeth like sweaters, I drew a quick intake of breath and tried to hide my disgust, praying I would be spared a sample of her breath. Ha! I've seen you. I know what you truly seek. Her eyes were like shiny black beetles as they bore into mine. Look, lady, let go of my arm or I'm going to have to hurt you. I don't like to hurt old ladies. Her fingers dug into my elbow hard and blocked the blood from circulating to my fingers. I could have doubled up my left fist, but when I imagined my knuckles dragging against those yellow, rotting teeth, it made me cringe. My threat was just a bunch of words that she easily dismissed with a flurry of thick and knobby knuckles. Pa, I've seen you before. I know why you choose to be alone. Her crack-lipped smile was thin and dry. She patted the bag, and when the dozens of rings around her fingers struck the side, there was a solid thud. I have something very special to offer you.
My ears turned red with anger, and my cheeks grew hot. I had to defend myself. How dare she call me lonely? Yeah, sure, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. I just preferred to keep all the assholes as far away as possible. Now, if you don't mind... With a wry smile, the hag let my elbow go. Ah, but you still need passion, no? I see it in your eyes. You need it, but not what it's attached to, yes? She was right. I hated people in real life, but put them on film or on the other end of the phone, and guys were my favorite. I don't know why, but I thought of the breather guy on the phone. Why did I give him the vocal hand jobs? I would never want to have a relationship with him. But I loved to hear his voice, and I liked that mine got him off. So I stuck with my visuals and shanty pizza phone calls. Besides, I had two cats to take care of, and there was no room for a man in my life. People gave us a wide berth on the sidewalk, thankful that I was the old woman's victim instead of them. That's right, I don't need any baggage. What I do need is to get going. I don't have any money, so you can just stop this whole thing right here and now. I was ready to turn away, but she spoke again with a lowered voice. It won't cost you any money. Just a favor. A small favor, really. Her voice purred in a creepy witch sort of way that almost made me laugh. A favor? Look, there is nothing that you could possibly have that I couldn't live without. I don't know how she did it, but I got had by the hag. Her cackles still echoed in my head as I pulled the object from my purse. It was wrapped in burlap cloth and tied with a long black and red silk ribbon spiraling up its length. I locked myself in the bathroom stall just to hold it for a couple of minutes. As soon as I took it out of the crinkled paper bag, a warm, sensual sensation penetrated my fingertips and palms. I could tell by its shape exactly what it was, but I didn't want to open it yet. With so much time to waste before my shift began, curiosity proved to be too much. Could I trust the old gypsy? And what was the crazy favor all about? I untied the ribbon and unfolded the thin burlap. A thick, red sandalwood dildo slowly rolled into my hand. My breath caught as heat rushed up my arms and neck. My cheeks ran hot. My nipples hardened, and I covered my mouth to stifle a sudden erotic moan. Oh, my God! Though it was only as long as my hand, it was like nothing I had ever seen. The tip was a smooth dickhead that flared out like a blunt mushroom, but the rest was smooth and polished. My thumb grazed a curious texture that circled just under the flare, and I looked closer to find beautifully engraved markings. They made no sense to me, but somehow I felt that they were important, necessary symbols. I quickly rechecked the lock on the stall door, 
then smiled as I continued to trace the markings with a trembling index finger. Pressing my thighs together, I quietly asked, What are you? I'd used vibrators before, but not a straight-up dildo, and certainly nothing made of wood. Its simple shape and foreign markings had my systems running hot. I rubbed the dildo along my cheek. I don't know why, I just wanted to. Sitting in my bathroom stall, alone, with time to kill, made me consider using it. I can be quiet, I told myself. If someone looked between the door's gap, then they deserved to get their eyeballs burned by the sight, right? The smooth, scented wood glided across my cheek with teasing warmth, tempting me. With a curious yet tentative tongue, I licked the bulbous plume. Then I had to cover my mouth again. My cheeks burned hotter and my heart hammered. The tip was wide. I had to lick my lips before sliding it fully into my mouth. At that moment, I suddenly felt my whole world become smaller. With quick, precise movements of my fingers, I unbuttoned and unzipped my uniform slacks, then lifted my rump off the toilet seat so I could pull my pants down to my ankles. I'd learned very early in my masturbating experiences that if my pants stayed at my knees, I couldn't spread them wide enough for adequate penetration. I like it deep, and sometimes I can slam it home pretty hard. My saliva shined on the wooden tip, and I brought it down to my little eager beaver. Though tidy at the edges, I still have a pretty good bush and don't mind referring to my own pussy as a beaver. It's better than snatch. Although, when I pushed the thick brown mushroom head inside, my beaver did want to snatch the rest of it up. I pushed one hand under my shirt and shoved the cheap bra up over my breast, finding a deliciously hard nipple eager for a pinch. I obliged my nipple as I pushed the wooden dildo into my snatching beaver. Every time it came out, the dark red wood became shinier and shinier. I gripped the very bottom of it and shoved it in with my knees as far apart as they could go. I planted my left palm onto the toilet seat, then lifted my ass. I closed my eyes, took a foot out of the pant leg so I could spread my legs wider, then tilted my head back. The trembling in my thighs was hardly noticeable as the dildo reached deeper and deeper inside me. Up and down, my hips moved. My pussy tried to swallow the wonderful wooden dildo, but my fingers held it in a secure grip. As the heat flowed within my belly, my beaver clamped down. The texture of the foreign engravings was very distinct, and I had to push and pull the dildo harder for more. The bathroom stall was suffused with the scent of sandalwood and sex. 
At my ear, I felt the warmth of someone's breath and should have looked for who it was. But I had to keep slamming, otherwise I would have lost momentum and screamed. The breaths at my ear were soft, masculine grunts, so intimately close, yet miles away, as though a man was with me in the stall, but so far away I couldn't see or touch him. I felt a spirit man fucking me, and I felt my skin being caressed by it, like the dildo was a man shoving into me. He made my thighs shake. The orgasm was phenomenal. The release was so great, so powerful, that my dopamine levels must have been through the roof, and my hand nearly slipped off the toilet seat. When I finally sat down and pulled the dildo out, satisfying heavy drips of cum splashed into the toilet water. For Stupid Fish Productions, this is Rose Carraway. I don't know where they coming from. I don't know how they got here. Whispers in my mind. Whispers in my mind. They pretend they are like friends to me. Never give away our lie to me. Whispers in my mind. Whispers in my mind. I'd like to thank the following musical artists. The Chairman. Yacht. Fancy Mike, Gosprom, Hom, Piccola Orchestra, Radio Times, The Night, and the featured credit song, Whispers in My Mind, by Man Bites Dog. If you liked what you heard and want more, subscribe so that you can get the next show, Outland 1313. Come and see me at the Sexy Librarian Podcast, too. I'm tweeting a lot at Rose Caraway. Don't forget to check out that ebook I just put out called Hypnotized. It's totally better than eating potted meat. Uh huh. Stupid fish. Oh, Ricky, you're so good. You're so good. You read my mind. Oh, Ricky. Oh, Ricky, you're so good. You're so good. You read my mind. Oh, Ricky. Oh, Ricky, you're so good. You're so good. You read my mind. Oh, Ricky. Oh, Ricky, you're so good. You're so good. You read my mind. Oh, Ricky. <laughs> oh, Ricky, you're so good. You're so good. You read my mind. Oh, Ricky. You know what? God damn it. <laughs> I, this is not a singing story.